and welcome to episode 40 of Africa Past and Present, the podcast about African history, culture and politics. I'm Peter Lim, Peter Alagi is in the field teaching in South Africa, and my co-host today is Rita Kiki Adozi, Associate Professor of International Relations and Comparative Politics at Michigan State University. Thank you, Peter. Welcome, Dr. Adozi. Thank you, thank you. Our special guest today is Professor Paul Tiambe Zaleza, renowned scholar and author, Dean of Bellarmine College of the Liberal Arts at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles, and last year, President of the African Studies Association. He was born in Harare, educated in Malawi, and then in England and Canada, and he received a PhD from Dalhousie University and has taught in Malawi, Kenya, Jamaica, Canada, and for many years now, the United States. His many books include the award-winning A Modern Economic History of Africa, the very insightful Manufacturing African Studies and Crises, uh, Rethinking Africa's Globalization, uh, as well as several edited works, uh, namely the two-volume Study of Africa, which I've used with graduate students to great effect, and the uh, very interesting book, African Universities in the 21st Century, both of those last titles from Kadesria in Dakar, not to mention, uh, not to forget rather, the Magisterial Encyclopedia of 20th Century African History, uh, Women in African Studies Scholarly Publishing, and The Roots of African Conflicts, whilst his literary works include Smouldering Charcoal from Heinemann in 1992. His most recent publications include Africa and its Diasporas, Dispersals and Linkages, and Barack Obama and the African Diasporas, Dialogues and Dissensions, published recently by Ohio University Press. Drawn from his eloquent and always stimulating blog, The Zaleza Post. Welcome, Professor Zaleza. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. And uh, let me join uh, my colleague Peter Lim in welcoming you Professor Zaleza, back to the Midwest. And we have invited you back to the Midwest um, so that you could address uh, this uh, new research topic that you have published uh, already so profusely on, um, the uh, question of African diasporas. Um, this evening, uh, you will be um, approaching a lecture called um, African Diasporas Toward a Global History. And there you claim that you will be looking at the um, interrogation of uh, the development of the African diaspora studies and you want to focus on the critical challenges that stimulate um, uh, students of African diasporas from a global perspective. Uh, you want to confront um, different types of um, concerns and um, you want to look at um, the different kinds of problems of historical mapping. I have uh, three questions that I'd like to ask you about this new topic, and then my colleague will perhaps um, ask you um, other questions about your research. Um, the first one is um, concerning, um, I happen to have read some of your new work on diasporas, and you uh, tend to um, ask us uh, in the African studies um, and the black studies community to um, rethink um, 
our view of um, our discussion of uh, diasporas. You ask us to perhaps um, take a long view of um, the approach to diasporas. Uh, you seem to suggest that we are too focused on the immediate American-centric um, discussion about diasporas, and that doesn't necessarily inform the core um, the discussion about this. So perhaps you could clarify that very important point. Uh, that's a very good question, thank you. Um, first, let me preface that by saying that uh, one of the reasons that I think diaspora studies is important for Africa, uh, and for me as a historian, is that it repositions African world history. Uh, it reconnects Africa to the globe, uh, because African peoples, of course, have been uh, dispersed and, uh, in different parts of the world for a very long time. Uh, and as a historian, I'm particularly fascinated by the different histories uh, through which uh, African diaspora formations uh, have taken place. Um, and and, and uh, having a long view of the historical formation of African diasporas uh, challenges not only the tendency to focus on what is happening now, of course we have to focus on what is happening now, it's important, but uh, we have to have a long-term view of history. And by doing that, what happens is that it gets us from particular framings of diaspora studies. Uh, if you have a long-term view of African diaspora history, it forces you to go to Asia, it forces you to go to Europe uh, before the Atlantic moment. Um, and, and through that, you begin to realize Africa's involvement in world history is, is very long-standing. And, and this uh, does a number of things. A, it globalizes Africa, universalizes Africa. But secondly, it provincializes Europe in a very interesting way, uh, in that it shows that Europe has not always been the center of the African experience. Of course, it's been very important in the last 500 years. Uh, but uh, it's not always determined what has happened to Africa, and certainly has not always been at the center of, of, of world history. Uh, so uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I come to diaspora studies with a very strong sense, uh, strong interest in lengthening the, the, the diaspora experience as a way of lengthening Africa's engagement with the world, uh, but also uh, by repositioning Africa, African diaspora histories in global terms, it gets away, us away from looking simply at the Atlantic, and that also lengthens Africa's global engagements in geographical terms. Uh, Asia uh, becomes part of the picture, Europe becomes part of the picture, of course the Americas are obviously part of the picture. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to uh, tonight's uh, talk. Um, but if I may, can I just uh, take you then uh, back to perhaps the last 500 years and ask you to perhaps engage us um, a little bit in this um, discussion between um, Paul Gilroy, um, who um, has um, um, introduced this uh, very important, I think, uh, paradigm called the Black Atlantic and the mm -hmm. hybrid notion of um, you know, the Black Diaspora versus um, Malefi Ashanti, who mm -hmm. suggests, and those who support mm -hmm. that view, that um, this is not the case. The, the, the African diasporas uh, should not be, um, the starting point shouldn't be the hybridity, the starting point should be the, um, if not the word purity is, is the wrong mm -hmm. word, mm -hmm. but certainly mm -hmm. the um, you know, contextual terms of mm -hmm. African um, histories right, right, um, right, right. that are not necessarily hybrid, mm -hmm. but um, mm -hmm. monolithic in their own way. Right. So perhaps you could speak to that debate. Oh, wonderful. This, that's a <laughs> really, really uh, fantastic question. Um, Paul Gilroy, I think, made an important intervention. 
uh, and, and, and there are also a lot of um, problems with his uh, intervention. The important intervention was the fact that he repositioned the Atlantic uh, in, in from sort of uh, the usual Eurogenic, you know, sort of white Atlantic uh, mode in which it had been uh, portrayed, uh, the very concept of Black Atlantic, which was of course not his, mm -hmm. uh, he, he got it from somebody else. Um, but you know, through that, what he was demonstrating was the centrality of Africa, uh, in the, in, or, or rather, the centrality of peoples of African descent in the construction uh, of, of Atlantic histories, of Atlantic cultures in particular. Mm -hmm. uh, his intervention was a cultural intervention. Um, so that was important in demonstrating that. The problem with uh, his analysis, uh, uh, it, to me, as follows. One, Africa, unlike the Afrocentrists, Africa in Paul Gilroy is the silent presence. The moment the peoples of Africa have come to the Americas, their connection with Africa basically becomes almost irrelevant. He doesn't go back to Africa. Mm. It's, it's the homeland. But the construction of uh, what he calls black uh, Atlantic modernities has nothing to do with Africa. Mm. It's, it's, it's all to do with uh, uh, you know, the, sort of, uh, the creativity of the diaspora in the, in the, in the Atlantic world. Um, so the excision of Africa from, from this process uh, is, is problematic because, of course, uh, the Atlantic, uh, the slave trade was not a one-day event. You know, this of is course. going on for 400 years. And the movements back and forth between Africa and the Americas has been continuous ever since. Uh, so that's a problem. Secondly, uh, the, the analysis is very Anglo-centric. Hmm. Uh, Anglo-centric in the sense that there is a focus, predominant focus, uh, on the role of uh, you know, important iconic figures, uh, cultural figures in the uh, Anglophone world, particularly the United States, yeah. uh, and, and of course England. Uh, and this is you know, demographically simply is unsustainable given the fact that in fact the largest part of the African diaspora in the Americas in South America. Yeah. So you, you know, ignoring Brazil, ignoring you know, the Afro-Latin uh, Afro diasporas mm -hmm. is historically problematic. Mm -hmm. Thirdly, it seems to me it's also problematic in the sense that um, it is so focused on these male iconic figures. Uh, it, it sort of repeats, uh, you know, very common uh, sort of trope in 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 the um, nationalist uh, and and Af African diaspora studies, in which the focus is usually on males and ignoring women. Yeah. So uh, you hardly find, you know, Du Bois, of course, is discussed. He was an important figure, but there's no discussion of really important female uh, figures uh, in the construction of uh, of, uh, of this uh, the kind of traffic that he sees developing and the creation of cultural modernities uh, in the Black Atlantic world. So for me, that is problematic yeah. as well. The fourth uh, uh, problem with that analysis is, is, is the fact that uh, it's, it's so culturalist focused, but it ignores the economic, political mm. dimensions and dynamics mm. of uh, you know, the black Atlantic world. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and this, of course, betrays the fact that he, he was coming from cultural studies and the influence of cultural studies, which, again, has made very important um, in, you know, interventions in scholarship, but has tended to downgrade political economy. And, and you find that very you know, evident. He uses the sheep as the metaphor, mm -hmm. uh, but not the sheep as a material force sure. in terms of uh, both the creation of the economies of the Americas as well as, of course, the, the economies of Africa and the economies of Europe. So for me, that is, you know, despite its interventions, that's where it becomes problematic. Now, the Afrocentrists, uh, I think, are important in, in, in raising 
uh, their the intervention is important insofar as it constructs a continental view of Africa. Now, we all know, of course, they focus on Egypt and all that, uh, and some people have challenged that and can be challenged on, 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 on fairly legitimate grounds. But what it does is, A, it, 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 it forces you to look at Africa as a continent and, and, and remove this excision of North Africa from the mainstream mm -hmm. of African history. And secondly, um, what it does is to force you to think about whatever is happening, what are its implications for Africa, you know, sort of that internally driven uh, in a sort of uh, focus on, on, on African developments. Uh, now, the, the one could uh, perhaps try to marry the two, and, uh, and in diaspora studies that can be done. If you try to look at African diasporas in co from continental perspective, uh, there are African diasporas that are coming from uh, you know, Western Africa, uh, you know, the region from Senegal to Angola, uh, to the Americas. There are diasporas from Africa coming from Eastern Africa to Asia, the region from Ethiopia down to Mozambique. Uh, mm. The African diasporas are going to Asia and Europe from Northern Africa. So, yeah. you know, one, one could have that uh, holistic view if one sort of picks from these different traditions and try to marry them. Thank you very much, Paula. And, and then I'll go to this last question, or, or okay, and which is the more recent, and uh, that is uh, the symbol of uh, President Barack Obama, and of course the uh, title of your latest book, um, Barack Obama and African Diasporas, um, Dialogues and um, Dissensions. Uh, so for those uh, unlike me, who have not um, read this very exciting book, uh, perhaps you could um, tell us um, how um, Barack Obama in 2010 mm -hmm. um, perhaps mm -hmm. um, symbolizes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, this notion of, or this conceptual paradigm, I think mm -hmm. is what you're trying to mm -hmm. uh, present here. Mm -hmm. um, how does he present, uh, uh, represent this right, um, right, right, concept right. that you're trying to yeah, Barack Obama, uh, I think, um, represents the sheer complexities of the African diaspora condition. Uh, complexities in terms of the different waves of African diaspora formations. Uh, in the United States, uh, certainly, you know, you have the historic diasporas um, who, who are themselves extremely complicated in their genealogies. Um, and then you have the so-called new diasporas, uh, uh, people like you and I, <laughs> uh, and our children and so on, uh, who have uh, migrated to the United States uh, since decolonization, essentially. Um, now, the relationship between these diasporas is embodied in, in Barack Obama uh, in, in, in a very if, you know, uh, fascinating sense. His father, of course, as we all know, was a Kenyan student. So at one level, he's part of this sort of new African diaspora uh, formation. Um, and, and then uh, he is not just Obama as an individual, Obama as, as, as uh, uh, an African-American uh, is tied uh, to the African-American community, uh, both uh, symbolically and substantively. Um, you know, of course he's married to uh, an African-American woman which connects him uh, you know, uh, to African-American, to the historic African-American community in very complicated ways. Uh, so within Obama, you're seeing the various, you know, sort of um, diasporas embodied. Uh, now, the relationship between the new and the uh, historic diasporas uh, is, 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 you know, ranges from conflict to cooperation. 
um, and, and you recall the debate uh, when President Obama uh, first announced his candidacy, whether he was black enough mm -hmm. uh, in, yes. in, in African-American communities. It wasn't about his color. It was about his history. Uh, you know, to what extent did he carry within his own sort of personal uh, uh, memory uh, the experiences of the African-American community. Uh, so, you know, to me, Obama really is, is the exemplar of, of that kind of um, you know, connection uh, between Africa and, and the Americas, between the uh, historic and the new diasporas, uh, the cooperation as well as the conflicts and so on. Um, now, in, in the book, I go into a lot of, um, you know, sort of, uh, the book is not simply about Obama, but it's, it's really a reflection on different aspects of the African world, the Pan-African world, over the last four or five years. Uh, and, and Obama becomes a central motif insofar as uh, I, I wrote a number of essays during the elections uh, trying to follow what was uh, happening to him. And, and it comes from a, a, a very you know, firm conviction that for, uh, the Pan-African world uh, is not just what happens in Africa, but what happens all over the world. Because yeah. A, Africa is a part of the world, an integral part of the world. Yeah. It's not a marginal or peripheral part of the world. It's okay. a central part of the world. So whatever happens in the rest of the world affects Africa, and what happens in Africa affects the, uh, the rest of the world. And secondly, peoples of African descent are everywhere. And therefore, uh, we have uh, a responsibility to address global issues insofar as uh, whatever they're happening, they're affecting peoples of African descent. And Obama, of course, his rise uh, you know, as, as, as the president of the, uh, uh, the United States, the most powerful country in the world today, uh, you know, repositions the ways in which uh, peoples of African descent uh, you know, play uh, in, in, in politically uh, and, 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 of course, uh, uh, the ways in which uh, the U.S. relates with Africa, the ways in which uh, uh, peoples of African descent in other parts of the world look at themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very it's much. It's an amazing book, really, uh, for, for more than one reason, because it represents uh, an ongoing dialogue or discourse that you've been involved with as a, as a uh, public intellectual, mm -hmm. uh, as a blogger on your amazing uh, site, the, the Zaleza uh, Post, and um, what interests me here also is your role uh, as a public intellectual in engaging with these issues. And you brought them together in this book uh, very splendidly. Um, I'm reminded that uh, Barack Obama Sr. was uh, one of the Kenyan students who came, uh, with, was assisted by the Kenya Airlift Project. And mm -hmm. we've recently mm -hmm. received the papers of that uh, project uh, kindly donated by Cora Weiss in New York mm -hmm. and it's very rich with the, the letters and the photographs mm -hmm. of this mm -hmm. whole um, cohort of Kenyans who mm -hmm. arrived mm -hmm. in the US in the early 60s mm -hmm. and clearly there are these different layers mm -hmm. of connections of diasporas and um, but I wonder if we could um, focus a little bit on the uh, study of Africa here as it relates to diasporas in Africa and um, I was struck at last year's uh, ASA conference when the Herskovitz Prize winner, a wonderful Nigerian art historian, made a passionate challenge to return to Africa, perhaps along the lines of the <laughs> Afrocentrists that we were talking about earlier. And so in the study of Africa, uh, is there a contradiction here? And, uh, uh, and how do we resolve these sorts of uh, contradictions between a focus on Africa itself and these very important connections in other parts of the world? 
I think, first of all, it's, it's important to um, note that African studies are going to be configured differently in different parts of the world okay. uh, for obvious reasons, um, both institutional, intellectual, ideological, and so on. Um, so, you know, African studies, like any other field of study, has a historical geography, has, has a particular form, you know, sort of formation. Um, having said that, I think it's important uh, to say that those of us who are in the United States, um, the way we study Africa, um, there are a number of things I think we have to be conscious of. One is that the way we study Africa uh, in the US is a particular way of studying Africa, which is not the same as uh, the way Africa is studied, for example, in Asia or in Europe, uh, South America, let alone the way Africa is studied within Africa itself. And, and Africa, of course, is also uh, divided into all sorts mm -hmm. of nations and regions and so on. So just to be conscious of our own location in this huge global panorama of, of studying Africa. And, and that may uh, help us to be a little more humble about what we actually do and uh, not assume that what we're doing uh, you know, is, uh, uh, defines how to do Africa in its entirety. Uh, the second thing perhaps I would emphasize is that um, uh, the way African studies is done uh, you know, has an institutional architecture. And that institutional architecture is going to vary. In the United States, for example, African studies uh, as a field has tended to be lodged both within the disciplines as well as, of course, uh, within uh, specialized African studies centers, programs, institutes, whatever the name is, uh, is used. Uh, within Africa itself, you find that African studies is lodged primarily within the disciplines. There are very few uh, places in Africa where you have African studies centers. Yeah. Uh, just like there are very few places in the US where you find uh, American studies centers. Mm -hmm. They're there, but there are very few. Um, and in Europe is the same thing. So the question becomes the institutional architecture is, is also going to vary. And what are the implications of that? Mm -hmm. um, we all know the debates of, about area studies in the US, which we don't have to go into uh, right now. Uh, ideologically, uh, it also seems to me that the, in, the imperative be, uh, behind studying Africa in an African context uh, compared to studying Africa elsewhere is going to be slightly different. Uh, in, the, in the African context, uh, the imperative historically has been a liberatory one, to liberate African societies from their uh, economic, social, cultural marginalizations and exploitations and development, you name it. Uh, while outside the continent, uh, they tend, you know, there have been two sort of dominant impulses. One has been uh, sort of what I call an imperial impulse. Uh, in which to understand Africa in order to better exploit it, uh, to better uh, control it. And, and that's the old sort of um, imperial tradition in England and, and France where all these colonial administrators were being trained to you know, understand African languages, cultures, and so on uh, in order to better administer the colonies. And that tradition, of course, has, has, has mutated uh, you know, and continued in very interesting ways. And then there, there is the solidarity imperative in which uh, some people uh, in some societies were interested in studying Africa as part of a solidarity imperative in which they identified with the, um, you know, uh, the African peoples in terms of trying to um, 
you know, get them from whatever situation they thought was, uh, you know, negative. And this solidarity imperative, you, f you know, is expressed in very different ways from the Russians, you know, during the Soviet era, uh, the Chinese and uh, the Indians, as a result of the Bandang Afro-Asian dialogue and spirit and so on, the Scandinavians, you know, sort of uh, a kind of developmentalist, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, engagement with Africa uh, from a small power perspective and all that. So. Um, the, 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 the point I'm simply trying to make is that uh, one cannot uh, assume that uh, the way Africa is going to be studied and the organization of the study of Africa is going to be similar. It's going to be different. So the argument that uh, you know, uh, we have to go back to Africa, uh, it seems to me a, a, a peculiar argument. I understand where it's coming from. It's peculiar in the sense it assumes people in Africa are already in Africa, they're doing it. Uh, I think it's more an appeal to ourselves to be conscious of our own uh, knowledges that uh, the knowledge production that we're doing on Africa, that it needs to be, uh, have a much more uh, solidarity and perhaps liberatory impulse. Yes, and in, in your chapter in, in your new book, The Rise of the Continent or Back to the Scramble, these are the very themes you're engaging with. And you make the very important point that uh, the world, after all, has been globalizing for a long time. And both of us, I think, uh, started off uh, in our studies of Africa on African labor history, yes, around, as we were yes, talking yes, earlier. Yes, and uh, yes. at the start, I refer referred to your award-winning book, uh, Modern Economic History of Africa, where you highlighted the importance of economic forces and engendering co colonization, although this was always articulated in complex ways with the political, the ideological, and other factors. And uh, I was thinking that today, uh, the economic crises that regularly pummel Africa are here uh, in the north uh, at the moment with uh, what some people call a recession, but in mm -hmm. Michigan mm -hmm. is certainly a depression <laughs> there. Yes. I've said the, the, the word. Uh, but um, I'm wondering, though, will perhaps these crises tempt some of those uh, scholars uh, around African studies in the north who lately have been mm -hmm. so smitten by what's mm -hmm. termed the cultural turn or mm -hmm. the post this or the post that mm -hmm. uh, to return to these uh, uh, globalization or economic themes. After all, part of globalization mm -hmm. is uh, economics and this in no way seeks to belittle the wonderful insights we, right. we all get from the tremendous intellectual activity around mm -hmm. the cultural sphere mm -hmm. and spheres. Mm -hmm. So I'm not trying to run that down, but I'm just wondering, again, with the term, t the sense of balance. Right, uh, right, right, right. I'm right. wondering if you think there, there is perhaps a need to, particularly in, in, in the North, right. to, to bring things back into perspective, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. remind mm -hmm. scholars that certainly in Africa, but also now in the north, these chilly winds of globalization mm -hmm. are blowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, moments of crisis are, uh, you know, uh, um, critical in f getting you back to focus on fundamentals, uh, focusing on what really matters. And certainly this moment of crisis, people have discovered the economy is no longer de is not dead. <laughs> uh, politics, uh, meaning real politics, not simply, you know, looking at uh, sort of rational choice type of stuff, uh, you know, matters in, uh, because these are very high stakes about material conditions of life. Uh, so this is, is, is intellectual, I think, is a very important moment. You, you, you're, of course, getting all these fascinating critiques by some leading economists, people like Paul Krugman, uh, uh, saying how uh, 
you know, the you know the sort of neoclassical economics missed uh, all the signs of the coming recession. I'm going back to real basics, uh, you know, away from all these sophisticated uh, uh, modeling uh, that they were doing into understanding how the real economy works. In fact, there was an article that I was reading uh, yesterday in uh, one of these magazines, uh, The Economist, I believe, that uh, we are going back to history. Mm. Uh, trying to understand uh, that uh, economies don't simply exist as abstractions, uh, that these are very profound and very complicated historical processes that we have to try to, uh, come, uh, to come to grip with. Uh, the same thing has happened with political science and so on and so forth, uh, in which uh, focusing on, on, on political economy uh, is, is probably coming back you know, as a way of trying to understand uh, some of the profound questions that affect society and communities and groups and so on. Um, having said that, uh, Africans, uh, African scholarship on the continent has, has, has always been preoccupied with some of these profound questions, but uh, partly because you know, uh, the academy has not been so divorced. Uh, the crisis of the academy uh, in terms of reproduction of intellectual labor uh, you know, over the last three, you know, since 1980, uh, was one in which academics, even if they wanted to, uh, could not have ignored what is going on in society. So you know, uh, people were focusing on, on, on development questions, people were focusing on, on, on uh, questions of politics, democratization struggles, and so on and so forth, in ways that uh, the, these highly idealized, uh, stylistic, uh, modeling type of uh, scholarly endeavors in political science, rational choice, in economics, uh, in the social sciences, did not appeal to them as much. Uh, and certainly, uh, the, on the, in terms of the, the humanities side of the equation, uh, the focus on the uh, esoteric type of uh, analysis that you got in postmodernist uh, scholarship, you know, talking of hybridities and okay. the body and all that, yeah. you know, which are important issues. But uh, you know, for people who are really dealing with societies, trying to grapple with fundamental material, moral, existential questions, uh, you know, that, that looked like, like a little bit of uh, intellectual navel-gazing as yeah. a, some kind of uh, indulgence. And they continued focusing on these uh, sort of structuralist uh, type of questions uh, uh, that deal with people's existence. And, and, and uh, now I think here facing uh, the kinds of crisis we are facing, uh, you know, a lot of us begin to realize, oh, maybe uh, the economy you know, does exist, politics in its fundamental senses does exist, and we need to understand it mm. and analyze it. African studies as a field, I think, has gone through four, you know, in my view, four sort of analytical um, uh, has tended to have four analytical traditions. One is what I call the culturalist tradition, uh, by which I mean the focus on culture, not, not in the sense of cultural studies, but the focus on, on, on African cultures, African civilizations, uh, you know, uh, ranging from anthropology uh, to, to um, you know, the work of the vindicationist writers in, in, in people like Du Bois and so on, who were trying to say where, what is the place of African civilizations, of African cultures in the global concert uh, of, of, of cultures. And the second one, and this is where people like us who were doing uh, labor history came in, and that is the developmentalist tradition, mm -hmm. uh, trying to understand how African economies, political economies, developed over time. And in that, 
of course, the influence of Marxist, you know, Marxist uh, analysis, develop, uh, dependency theory, and all those were very, very important. Mm -hmm. And within that, the role of uh, you know, social classes and uh, you know, modes of production, and labor becomes a very important uh, motif. And those of us who went to graduate school in the 1970s mm -hmm. uh, were really influenced by, by that. It was a very powerful moment in terms of um, uh, scholarship, uh, focused from the angle of political economy, from the angle of development. Uh, from the angle of um, you know material conditions and struggles and so on and so forth, and then the third moment is what I call the deconstructionist moment, uh, in which um, there is a lot of scholarship coming in, and this is where the cultural turn comes in in the 1980s, 1990s, uh, in which the focus is really on deconstructing uh, these sort of hege hegemonic models that had been developed before, but also it's a reflection, I think, of very powerful social forces. Uh, challenging uh, the ways in which knowledge had been constructed. Some of it influenced by the feminist movement, uh, uh, the androcentricism of, of, of uh, you know, social, uh, social sciences and the humanities. Um, uh, some of it is coming from uh, post-colonialism. Uh, so it's, it's got very powerful, very positive, huge new knowledges. Um, you know, the environmental intervention becomes important in terms of environmental historiography. Mm -hmm. So these are very powerful and useful interventions uh, in, in which we, you know, there's a deconstruction of, of pre-existing sort of grand narratives. Um, now, some of them are not as useful as others, and, and I've done a lot of critics on post-colonial theory and its application to Africa. And the third moment, uh, the, the fourth moment is what I call the globalist moment. And, and that is uh, a moment in which uh, uh, th this whole diaspora paradigm really comes in. Uh, an, uh, an attempt to reconnect Africa to global histories, uh, to see African agency uh, in, in not only in terms of uh, what is happening within Africa, but also in its global di uh, yeah. dimensions. Um, and globalization studies, uh, diaspora studies are part of that intellectual moment. They're all important themes uh, worth thinking about deeply. Thank you so very much for speaking to Africa, past and present. Thank, Thank you. you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you very much. Africa Past and Present is produced by Matrix, the Center for Humane Arts, Letters, and Social Sciences Online at Michigan State University. Our producer is Scott Pennington. Technical assistance is provided by Alicia Scheel and the Matrix staff. For more information about this and other episodes, and to subscribe to the podcast, you can visit our website at afripod, that's A-F-R-I-P-O-D, dot A-O-D-L dot O-R-G. Africa Past and Present is also available on iTunes, and other podcatcher sites. To get in touch with us, send us email at africa.podcast at matrix.msu.edu. Thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.